Kobe Bryant was a teenager when he walked onto the NBA stage, and there was no doubt in his mind that he was ready. I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna work hard every day. I'm young, but I'm not gonna back down from anyone. He had the drive, the ability to thrill, all wrapped in a megawatt smile. Welcome to the Kobe Show. And fans began to see that they were in for something special. Here comes Bryant. Shaquille O'Neal to form a powerful one-two punch, elevating his game when it counted most. Kobe, jump shot for the lead, yes! The phenom had grown into a three-time NBA champ. Three, that's three. Back, to back, to back! Kobe was anything but a finished product. In the years that followed, he reached a new level of mental and physical dominance. And an 81-point game! The Mamba was born. I couldn't even dream of this when I was a kid. You know, there's no way possible. You know, just a blessing from above. And his scoring explosions captivated the league. Four straight games, 50 or more points. All the while, Kobe realized there was still room to grow. Kobe Bryant, the 2007-2008 most valuable player. And the true greatness means lifting those around you. No easy points. Make him earn everything. He embraced his role as a leader, and the result was a return to glory for the Los Angeles Lakers. Basketball immortality for the 09 Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers repeat back-to-back titles. Kobe's ability to inspire wasn't limited to his body of work in the NBA. They call me the OG. You know what I mean? So it's fun for me to be around these guys and kind of mentor them a little bit. He was a driving force behind the 2008 Olympic team that restored USA basketball to the top of the podium and won gold again in 2012. Team USA has won back-to-back gold medals. Beloved by fans around the world, Kobe Bryant had transcended the game. He embodied excellence, achievement, and aspiration for millions of fans everywhere. time to write the final chapter of his NBA career, Kobe saved one of his most unforgettable performances for last. Kobe Bryant, on the final night of his NBA career, scores 60 points, 6-0. Man! To spend 20 years here, you can't write something better than this. With his playing days behind him, he understood that all along, his single-minded pursuit of excellence was about much more than himself. The most important thing is how your career moves and touches those around you and how it carries forward to the next generation. First of all, we want to say thank you for coming. We're going to have to uh, reload everything, so just give us a few minutes to get ready here. But 
while we're getting reset up there. Poor Tim. I just want to say before we get going, is thank you for everyone that helped us out. Uh, Andrea, Elliot, Sunel, Tim. Um, I had all them working, trying to get some pictures, artwork, sending it to me, videos. Uh, it may look easy, but a lot of hours went in just to make this happen tonight. Um, it's not in vain. Already two pastors want all, want all the information, and they're going to have a service on Sunday. Um, so just let me know when you're ready, Tim. <clears throat> ready? Okay, let's get into this. I called this uh, title was Kobe Bryant, a tribute to Kobe Bryant, the brevity of life. It simply means brevity, the shortness of life. And we all, we all know what happened. But this week on Sunday uh, morning, the tragedy of Kobe Bryant and all the others that were with him. And people were using the phrase, all the others. It's, I have names. They're not just others. They're people. And they have families. And it's not just Kobe. You know, I'm going to cover that in a moment. But I want you to just listen. So this week, since Sunday, as far as we know, there's more. But Lieutenant Colonel Paul Voss, 46 years old, Air Force. These are military deaths this week serving our country. Those are the heroes. Captain Ryan, 30 years old. Uh, Specialist Antonio Moore, 22 years old, Army. Staff Sergeant Ian McLaughlin, 29 years old in the Army. PFC, Billion, 21 years old in the Army. And then Specialist Henry Mayfield Jr., 23 years old. He was in the Army. Those I just read have passed away since Sunday. Uh, a lot of times, obviously, they're not going to get the press that Kobe would, and I'll explain why in a moment. But these are the people that died with Kobe. They see other people. They're not just other people. They have names. And so I want to just cover, listen, quote, uh, just listen as I give these names because it means something. Kobe Bryant, 41 years old, left behind <clears throat> three daughters from six months old to 17 years old and a wife, Vanessa. Gigi Bryant, 13 years old, Kobe's daughter. She, these are the people that perished besides Kobe. John uh, Alto uh, Belli, 56 years old, Orange Coast College basketball coach or baseball coach. Carrie uh, Antobelli, John's wife, left behind their son JJ and daughter Lexi. Alicia uh, uh, Altobelli, 13 years old, John and Carrie's daughter, teammate of Gigi Bryant. Sarah Chester, Peyton's mother, 45 years old, left behind her husband Chris and sons. Hayden and Riley, Peyton Chester, daughter of Sarah, 13 years old, teammate of Gigi. Christina Mazur, 38 years old, assistant coach at Bryant's Mamba Academy Basketball. And Aria, pilot of the helicopter, he's 50 years old. And those, that, those right there I just read are the people that perished in that tragedy. And I was called today by a gentleman, a sports writer for the Press Enterprise, and he asked me, why would you do a service like this? Why would you do this? And I said, why wouldn't we? And I said, I don't understand it fully. I said, but there are a lot of people that their hearts have been broken. Um, not just with this family, with the military family. There are a lot of broken people right now that are very broken. If, that was, if I would have read someone you love, their name right now, then you'd understand fully what I'm saying. People lose a loved one, it breaks your heart. And I told him, that I gave him this verse. I said, the Bible says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. 
And I said, I believe God wants to enter into people's mourning and people's brokenness. When things happen in life, how many know God's a God of everyday life? He's not a God just outside, just the church. No, he's a God of everyday life. And the reporter said, I like that. I said, because he really is a God of the everyday life. And he wants to enter our life no matter what we're going through. And I said, so I went back to him and I said, why wouldn't we do it? And he said, it makes perfect sense. He said, is, is it going to be a sermon or is it going to be, what is it going to be? I understand. I told him. I said, it's a sermon cross. You know me, everything's crossed. I said, it's a sermon cross with a uh, celebration of some of the achievements Kobe made and also some of the things that other people learn from his life that I'm going to put into the sermon. And he said, well, sounds interesting. So here's the text tonight. The Bible says in Psalms 39, Oh, Lord, help me understand my mortality and brevity of life. Let me realize how quickly my life will pass. Then in James chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, it says, How do you know what's going to happen tomorrow for the length of your lives is uncertain? As the morning fog now, you see it, and soon it will be gone. So after Kobe's death, it shook not just this city and not just our nation, but literally worldwide. And let me just say this. Kobe, we all, if you know Kobe, you know, he would want you to be straightforward. You know, he was, he, what he believed in, he believed in. And I, I told the, the reporter this. He said, are you a Laker fan? And I said, no. Are you a Kobe fan? And I said, No. He said, but, I said, you have to respect the accomplishments of this individual, and you have to be willing to honor someone that's great. And I don't even like Kobe. I mean, he, my team is Phoenix Suns and the Clippers. I know someone watching right now, you turn it off. He said, he, did he say Clippers? I said Clippers, baby. And the Phoenix Suns, but it was Kobe over and over again ruined my team's chances of ever getting a, a medal. It was Kobe, one hand, just one guy destroying it for the Celtics and the Phoenix Suns, one guy, because he was so, so good and so talented. And you have to say, you know what, hats off to the guy. The guy was on, he did things that you didn't think people could do. He did it. So the man asked me today, Bo, the reporter, says, what happened? How could he have so much influence? And I said, I don't understand. I'm going to try to explain it tonight. So stay with me. <clears throat> So I began to think about this. Kobe came to us when he was 17 years old. He was here for 20 years. The first time I saw Kobe play a basketball game, I was watching it on TV with my son, Nate. And I'm not just saying it because it's the truth. And I, I watched him play. And I was just watching the game. And I said, that young man, uh, who is he? He's, he's Kobe Bryant, Dad. I said, that man right there will be the next greatest star in, this, in basketball. And let me lie or Nate, I forget who was with me. He said, you think so? I said, no, I don't think so. I know so. And he did. And what I saw that day was I saw a 17-year-old teenager. He didn't even have a license to drive in L.A. yet. Jerry West's son would drive him around. But when he would play with full-grown adults, NBA star, and then the other NBA players, he would actually make them look bad. That's how good he was. So you think about it. He comes into our people's lives in L.A. across the world, 17 years old, 20 years later, he's touched literally millions and millions of people. And someone had said to me this week, called me and says, 
I can't believe Kobe died. It, Kobe is bigger than life. People made him bigger than life. He, he's, he's not supposed to die. He's Kobe and he's Black Mamba. And I said, that's true. I said, but he did die. So you think about it. He touched millions, inspired the China market, the Asian market. And, you know, really he did transcend something. What I mean by that is he touched all these people from all walks of life. I, after when he died Sunday morning, starting Sunday night and Monday, I began to watch just tributes to him and things that he did with his life. And he touched so many more people. I had, even, I had no idea how many people he touched, but he touched multitudes of people, disabled people, boys, boys clubs of America, play with some of the kids. He did a lot, a lot of good that none of us really know about. But we'd have to be honest. <clears throat> yes, every one of us are special in the eyes of God. But not everyone's a Kobe. And we have to be willing to acknowledge his greatness. And I'm not just saying this to say it because people would want me to say it. But, and I don't fully understand the connection. You think about Elvis. You think about Ali. You think about Jordan. These are people, again, I don't understand this, who coming upon the scene, God made them. God gives them to us. And him, I believe, he was made to be a leader. He was made to inspire people. God gave him his gifts. He took the gifts God gave him and developed them. He poured himself into the gifts God gave, and he put, he put himself to another dimension. But one pastor said to me, he said, I don't understand how he could touch me. I didn't really know him that well. I didn't know him much. I wasn't even a Kobe fan. He said, but I cried. And I told the reporter today, I said, a lot of people's hearts were broken across all of the NBA, a lot of NBA stars. You name it, their hearts are broken. So I don't understand this connection, but I know one thing. He comes on the scene. He has a connection with all these people. And we don't even understand, like Charles Barkley said, I don't even know Kobe that well. Never really talked to him, not that close to him. I said, but for some reason when he died, I cried. And I'm very, very sad. And he said, I'm not going to lie, Charles Barkley. He's a pretty proud guy. But he said, I'm not going to lie. I start crying. He said, but I'm very, very sad. So there's something there that, I fully don't understand, but God made us, you and I, as human beings, and we're social creatures. We are made to follow God and follow others, whether we realize it or not. And so he comes on the scene, touches millions of people's lives, and I watch these great men themselves. I watched this week Jerry West. I watched Paul Pierce. I watched Reggie Miller, Dwayne Wade, Mike, <clears throat> Matt Barnes, uh, all these, and Reggie Miller, they all talk about the impact Kobe made on their life. Across the NBA, after he died, the NBA players across the league, they honored him. Some wore his number. They, we have the 24-second clock. just simply means you're not a basketball fan. You got 24 seconds to get the ball across the line, I think hit the rim. And both teams would honor it because he wore 24 and he wore also number 8. Both teams would wear it. And so they honored them that way. They did 24-second clock. They'd lay the ball down and wait 24 seconds, give the ball to the other team. They'd lay the ball down and honor them. And all these players, and I saw also soccer stars. I saw musicians. I saw celebrities. And I thought all these people, all these basketball players especially, I guess, because he's in the league for 20 years, no one told them to honor him. It was like something happened to all, no one, no one, no one sent out a mass email and said, let's honor Kobe, but they, it all came from their heart. 
because he touched their hearts. Interesting. One guy I saw had an article and he said, Gods can't die. Because to him, Kobe was a god, but Kobe did die. And there was nothing he could do about it. And I would agree, it's very hard to wrap our minds around. But listen to some of the accomplishments of Kobe Bryant. These just, these just a few highlights. There's so many. McDonald's All-American 1996. Naismith's Prep Player of the Year 1996. Drafted to the NBA out of high school the first round at 17 years old. Jerry West drafted him. People thought he was crazy. And when he was being interviewed, they said... <clears throat> What did you see in Kobe? He said, everyone saw it. I mean, I saw it. It was obvious. But uh, the reason why it was not so well received, because no one back that day, going back 20 years, no one was drafting teenagers out of high school. He said, it was very rare. And I traded an all-star to get him. No one was doing that. So it wasn't looked very high upon. Drafted right out of high school. The fourth-time all-time NBA uh, uh, in history uh, scoring leader, four-time. He's, he's on the fourth list. Number one, Lakers scoring champ, five-time NBA champion, two times NBA uh, MVP champion, NBA finals MVP, 18-time All-Star, four-time NBA All-Star game uh, MVP, 11-time All-NBA uh, All first team, nine-time All-Defensive team, two-time NBA scoring champion, 1997 slam dunk contest winner, the youngest ever to win it and a two-time gold medal winner scored the most points in any one game second most points actually in any one in any one game he scored 81 points you think was the other team even playing <laughs> and his last game as you saw he scored 60 points in his final game his jerseys were retired number eight and number 24 retired by the lakers and on top of all of that, after he retires in 2016, he wins an Academy Award for the best short animated film called Deer Basketball. And when he died, his worth was about $770 million. This is one of his, he, he called it his most cherished lesson, and I'm going to use this. He said, you have to love what you do. If you have to love what you do, you'll be happy, and the work and perseverance will pay off. He has an amazing list of all these accomplishments. And it seemed like now, after he finished his basketball career, it seemed like now he's beginning to finally be happy if you saw him. And yet his life is cut short. Makes no sense. And I, I don't have an answer for why it happened. I'll cover that. I don't have an answer for that. But listen to just a couple of his quotes. These young guys are playing checkers. I'm out here playing chess. My parents are my backbone, still are. They're the only group that will support you if you score zero and if you score 60. Think about it. He created a name called Black Mamba. And this is where it came from, actually. In a 2000, in an interview, he said, My name, he's honest, my name, Kobe Bryant, evokes such negative emotion. I said, if I create this alter ego... So now when I play this, is, uh, this is what's coming out of my mouth. It separates my personal stuff, right? You're not watching David Banner. You're watching the Hulk. So I have an alter ego, and I call this person the Black Mamba. In 2015, with an interview with Ashad, 
Bryant said this, when I step onto the court, I become that alter ego. I become that snake. I become that killer. I am stone, stone cold killer. And that's where he took the name. He said, I have to organize these things in my mind. I had a lot of things going on in my life at the moment. So I created this thing, what I call the black mamba. And this is some of the reasoning behind it. The mamba can strike with 99% accuracy at the maximum speed with rapid succession. Well, Kobe could do that. He scored 81 points. That's pretty good. It has a precision. <clears throat> he calls it the mama mentality is a way of life. It's not an attitude per se. It's a way to live, which is harder to, and trying to get better and better every single day. Now, I know tonight <clears throat> that brevity of life, there's probably three things people don't necessarily like listening to if you tell them ahead of time. I'm going to talk about money or talk about hell or talk about death. Those are not good pro- subjects. But this is reality tonight. Can you say amen? We have a culture. And this is kind of crazy because you and I have a culture of death. One report says 75% at least of all the news we get always talks about what? Death. But having said that, you go to a funeral and it's like everyone's wearing black because everyone knows death is black. Who says? But you go to a funeral, and every pastor knows what I'm saying. You do a funeral, and it's like, we, know, we all know why we're here. Someone died, but don't talk about death. And it's, it's weird. It's like, it's, it's like the elephant in the room. Uh, we all know why we're here. Someone died, but don't, and there's no one talking about death. People don't want to talk about death. In fact, when's the last time you sit down and say, oh, honey, let's talk about death? The other day we had insurance guy come to our house and just explain to us our insurance, trying to get some insurance and something happens to my wife, then I can get some money. <laughs> well, usually it's the other way around, right? And so the guy was explaining to us. He says, well, the insurance you have. And I said, sometimes if people commit suicide, they don't get the insurance. She says, well, your policy is different, sir. If your wife commits suicide the third year, you get all the money. And I said, Carmen, wait till the third year. Some of you say, that is cold. I know. Some teenagers were talking about death. Listen to what they said. Wouldn't it be nice to know the time and place you're going to die? The other said, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to know that? He said, because I wouldn't show up. We idolize youth. We're obsessed with youth. We want to stay young. We refuse to face reality. Some of you have heard me say this on a Thursday night and God talks, but the reality is we're all aging. You, are, you have aged since you came to church tonight. And there's nothing, people are funny sometimes. They may tell someone, you got wrinkles. No kidding, I'm 60 years old. You know, or I tell a woman, you got wrinkles over here. You got crow's feet. Well, I got all kinds of feet. In my eye, I mean, people are funny. Yeah, you get old, you, you age, you age. And there's nothing you can do about it. You heard about the lady that, here it is, I'll just read it to you. A middle-aged woman had a heart attack, taken to the hospital. While she's on the operating table, she has a near-death experience. During the experience, she sees God and he asks, and she asks God, is this the end? God says no, explains that she has another 30 to 40 years to live. Upon her recovery, the woman decides to stay in the hospital and 
Might as well have a facelift, a liposuction, tummy tuck, and some other improvements. She even had someone change her hair color. She figures might as well make the best of it for the next 30 and 40 years. She walks out of the hospital after the last operation, and she's killed by an ambulance speeding up going to the emergency room. She arrives in front of God and says, God, I thought you said I had another 30 or 40 years. And God replies, I guess I didn't recognize you. You go into a bookstore, you have all, there's all these books, and you, you very, almost never, they'll have books on death, but you won't find very many people hanging out there. Because there's something about death that we'd rather not talk about, and we know if we don't talk about it, it won't happen. But let me tell you something, everyone in this room tonight is going to die. One guy did a study, one out of one die. Yeah, one out of one die. Every human being, you will die. One day there's going to be a funeral. It's going to be your funeral. And there's nothing you can do about it. And, and people, even though they don't want to talk about it, they want to, ah, I want to hear it, blah, you know, just like they ignore it. They didn't want to face, we do not want to face the reality of you and I are not going to live forever. We don't, we, we don't want to face reality. We are aging. But I didn't know this but Kobe did speak about it Kobe wasn't afraid to speak about it on ESPN the jump the foreign the former scoring champ Tracy McGrady recalls talking to Bryant because Bryant would say some things to him and this is something he would say often he spoke to him and said he thought it sounded crazy Kobe would say he used to say it all the time he said I want to die young he used to say, I want to be immortalized. I want to have my career. I want to be better than Michael Jordan. I want to die young. And he did. It wasn't like a lot of people. They're afraid to say anything about death at all, not at all. And so you think what's happened since Kobe, after he ended his career, you, you, you watch the pictures, you watch the video, you see him smiling, you see him with all these different types of people, you see him with his kids, you see him with his family. Uh, it's, it's amazing, but what happened, all of a sudden, when someone dies suddenly like that, all of a sudden, it does a lot of things to a lot of people. Because no one planned that. That day, Sunday, Kobe had no idea. Him and the, and the seven other people or eight other people were with him, they had no idea that that would be their last trip that day. In a few hours, they would be dead he didn't know that that was your last day on earth, Kobe. We all forget about the frailty of life. Life can be easily broken up and shattered. My brother died when he was 23 years old. That's young. These young teenagers that recently were killed, and all they were doing, they were playing, they are knocking. How many remember the story? They were just knocking on someone's door and running away. A guy gets so upset, runs over there and kills three teenagers. Think about the, 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 the pain of the parents. Your, your teenage son is, has died. Well, why did he die? A guy got mad because they knocked on the door. That's crazy. Back to our text. It says, oh, Lord, help me understand my mortality and brevity of life. Let me realize how quickly my life will pass. 
I do not know what is going to happen tomorrow, for the length of your lives is uncertain as the morning fog. Now you see it, and now it is gone. So let me get to my first point. I'm almost finished. We all have an appointment with death that we must accept. We all have an appointment with death we must accept. It's in a calendar that you can't see, on a date that you don't know, but you have an appointment with death. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, it is appointed man once to die. And you look up the word appointed. It means to be laid aside or reserved for you. When you make a reservation for a hotel room, they put aside a room for you. That's the same word here. Another one, everyone, every one of us has a reservation with death. The Bible says it's an appointed time, every one of us. So I went. You can do it. There's all kinds on the web, internet. You can find death clocks. You punch in all your data. It tells you the day you're going to die. Tells you everything that's going to happen to you. It tells you the exact day you will die, the, the date of your death, the day of your death, tells you everything. And you know, when you, when, you, when you go to these death clocks, there's all different names for them. But you can punch in the information. It would ask if you smoke, do you drink. You know, you can lie about all of that. Well, I don't drink. You be a drinker. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't. And you're all those things. Are you overweight? Oh, I'm not overweight. I'm slim. And, you know, you can lie all you want, but and you go, and it says calculate. And you go, oh, you're going to live to 85. That's a lie. You're only fooling yourself. You punch in the wrong information. So I punched in information. I went to two or three different sites. <laughs> I want to see how long a drone against would live. Most of them, the ones I went to said, I, most of them said I live anywhere from 82 to 87. One said I live to be 90. I'm donating to them. <laughs> 90. Listen to this. Now one says you will live to be 86 years old, six months, 29 days. Every one of us has a reservation that we cannot cancel. People keep this appointment every single day. So I looked up how many people are dying. Every minute I've been speaking so far, 105 people have died every single minute. Two to three people die every second. One study said 1.8. What is 0.8? Come on, what, 0.8 people die? I mean, what is, what's, you know, I don't know. Anyway, okay. But it's not an accident. 59 million people will die worldwide this year. That's crazy. Think about it. It's an appointment that you're going to keep. You can't deny. I don't care what you do. It's going to happen. The Bible says in Psalms 39 verse 4, Lord, make me aware of my end and the number of my days so that I will know how short-lived it is. Another version says it like this. Lord, teach me. About the end of my life, teach me about the number of the days that I have left so that I may know how temporary my life really is. Then in Psalms 39 verse 5, it says this. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. That's not very long. My entire life is just a moment to you, God. At best, each one of us is but a breath. 
Wow. And there are many, so many verses that talk about you and I just being here for a moment. And I didn't know there was that many. There are many, many. I'm looking up all these verses, verses, verses. And I thought, I'm being honest. I don't know about you. There's many of these verses, and I don't think any of us have highlighted. No, we have highlighted, and the Lord will bless you, and the Lord will keep you. Right? None of us have highlighted. You're going to be here in just a little while, boy. Because we don't want to talk about death. We don't want to think about death. Because if we don't think about it, we don't talk about it, it's not going to happen, you know. This is very interesting. So, one, there are two things about death that really bother everybody. One is the certainty of it. We all know we're going to die. We, all, we know that. It's troubling to people. We know that. And number two, we don't know when we're going to die. We don't know where we're going to die. And we don't know how we are going to die. None of you, will, none, none sitting here know when, where, or how you're going to die. And you don't know the day either. So I thought about Black Mamba is called death. It strikes and you can't stop. And there's nothing you, you can do to stop it. And we know that death is not natural. There's nothing natural about death. And the truth about death, you never get over death. If anyone, if you've ever lost a loved one, you know that you never get over the loss of that loved one. Why? Because death is not natural. It is unnatural. God never intended mankind would die. In the garden it happened, but that was never God's intention. People say time... You'll be okay in time. That's not true. You lose someone you love, you always think about, I think about my mom, I think about my dad, I think about my family. And I'm sure others that have lost loved ones, you think about them all the time. You may not talk about them, but you think about them. It's not supposed to be this way. They're not supposed to die. Sin was never supposed to enter the race. It's not supposed to be this way. They're supposed to be here forever, but it's not how it is. And you may speak against it. You may rage against it. You may fight against it, but it's not going to change it. You may say, I hate what's going on. We all hate what's going on. And there are no answers sometimes. And yes, it is painful. So let me cover a couple lessons before I end. This is a very interesting verse I shared with the reporter today. Job chapter 14, verse 5. You talk about God. We think we do. We think we got going on, man. I know it's going to happen today. I got a plan. I got to make some money. I'm going to go here and go there. I got my thing, man. I got, yeah, and then you, you look what it says here. You, talk about God, you have decided the length of our lives. You know how many months we have to live, and we are not giving a minute longer. That's, that's in the Bible. It's a Bible verse. Psalms 89 says it like this, verse 47. Remember how short my life is. How empty and futile this human existence. No one, no one can live forever. All will die. No one can escape the power of the grave. 
tell you what death does for all of us. It interrupts our life immediately. People today, they say we are the busiest. I'm going to talk about it tonight, but they say we're the busiest group of people that's ever lived and some of the most unhappy and miserable. One of the as far as attitude and overall happiness, unhappiness, people being unhappy and sad, it's right here in America, the wealthiest nation, one of the wealthiest, if not the wealthiest nation in the entire world. You'd think we'd be the happiest. We're not. You know some of the happiest nations in the world are poverty, nations in poverty? No. Death interrupts time because when death happens, you say, well, I don't have no time. You got time now to go to a funeral. Changes your schedule. Death doesn't ask you, is it okay? If death doesn't, that morning, death didn't show up and ask anyone on that helicopter. Their whole lives, that day, it would be over. Their whole, and everyone that's attached to them, and the millions that know the people that were in there, or the servicemen that died, uh, it happens. And all of a sudden, death interrupts our life. Now, all of a sudden, we got time. Uh, I'll make the change. I'll, I'll change my plan. I'll, I'll, quit, I'll leave work early. I'll be there. I'll do what I can. All of a sudden, death interrupts you. It interrupts your agenda. So I was watching all these interviews. I saw Charles Barkley. I saw Dwayne Wade. I saw, I saw Reggie Miller. I saw Shaquille O'Neal and others being interviewed. And these are some lessons that Shaq learned, but it applies to all of us before I end. Listen, this is what he said. When he found out Kobe died, he, he broke down. But he said there's some lessons that he learned. Number one, he said, we, he said I, I learned we need other people. They canceled the Laker-Clipper game, moved it. So they set up Ernie, Kenny Jet Smith, Charles Barkley, and other stars. And they just did a, a panel. And they asked them questions about Kobe and their life, their relationship with Kobe. And so they asked Shaq, and Shaq's beginning to speak, and he said, First of all, you guys, you talk about all the other NBA stars here. These are all stars. Reggie Miller is a star. Charles Barkley was a star. And he says, first of all, you guys, I, I've been going through a lot. This is Shaq O'Neal. He said, I, I've been going through a lot. You could tell he was visibly shaken. He said, I've been going through a lot. I, I should have been talking to you guys, but I haven't. And this is what he says as I'm talking. He says, so we need to learn how to talk to other people. We need to talk to our others. We need, we need to learn how to talk to each other. And he said, because we need each other. How I many know that's, that's a simple lesson, but people, know, people need that. Listen, there's things going on in your life. You have burdens that you're carrying that no one even knows about until you talk. And he says, we, we, I said, I, I need other people. I need to share some things. We need our family. We need our friends. We need our church. Romans chapter 12, verse 15 says, Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those that weep. You can't be happy with someone. You can't weep with someone if you don't know what's going on in their lives. You've got to let somebody in your life. Romans 12, verse 16, it says, Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of other people. And don't think you know it all. He said, We need to talk. 
He said, I need to learn to talk to you guys. He's talking about his friends, close friends. Second thing is, obviously, death breaks our hearts. Shaquille O'Neal lost his father, Sarge, lost his little sister. And he said this on the show. He said, I lost Sarge, I lost my little sister, now I lost Kobe. And he said, I'm all messed up. He says, he's tore up. He really was. It brings such pain. It breaks our hearts. And it's a scripture I read in Matthew. It says, God blesses those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Shaq said, I don't eat. Uh, I haven't slept much. And my heart's been broken. And my heart is broken, and I'm very sad. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, all praise be to God the Father, Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. But, you know, you and I can be broken. You and I can have our hearts broken for a million different reasons. Maybe a loss to a loved one, loss, whatever it might be. But the truth is we have to choose to allow God to enter our brokenness. You know, we live our lives sometimes and we don't talk to others and we don't talk to people you should talk to and we don't even talk to God. And we carry these burdens you were never meant to carry, but God, God wants to enter, God wants to help us, but we got to let him in to help us. You can't, he can't comfort you if you never let him in to comfort you. The other thing he said was, second lesson Shaq learned, he says, you got to stop and you not just talk to your friends and share stuff, but you got to talk to your own loved ones, the people that are close to you. He said, we need to quit being people that procrastinate. We, we can't do it anymore. Love don't wait. We got we to gotta do this thing. We got to find the time and make it happen. You know, it's great to tell someone you love them, but you need to tell you you love them and you care about them while they're still alive. He says, the moments that we have, they just pass so fast that we're not taking even time to enjoy our life right in front of us. We, we don't do that. Derek Fisher, he said he heard the word about Kobe. His daughter called him. He's actually on the way to the airport in L.A., his daughter called him and says, Dad, don't get on the plane. Come home. Come home right now. Dad, do not get on the plane. She told him what happened to Kobe. Derek Fisher couldn't believe it. He canceled the trip, came right home, got his family together. And then Derek Fisher went on to say, he said, one thing I never realized about Kobe is there's such a bigger dimension to Kobe. We, he called it the full version of Kobe. We thought Kobe was just a basketball player, but he did so many other things. And there's a side of him that no one ever saw, which he called the full version. But he said this. He said, we have to find a way. And this is what he said he learned. He said, we have to find a way to help other people more than we want to help ourselves. He said, we got to stop being in love with ourselves, basically. And we got to find a way to pour our lives into other people. That's good preaching, Derek. You know, you go to a funeral. Like the, like the guy asked me, what kind of service is this going to be? I said, it's not going to be a funeral. It's a celebration service and some insight from Scripture about life and the shortness of life. But you go to a funeral, no one shows their houses. Have you ever gone to a funeral and said, and all this slide presentation of their houses they own? What about the cars? The cars they own. The clothes they wear. And they surely don't put the money because all the family be fighting for it. 
They don't do none of that. What, what, what do they put up? I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. I don't care what I mean by that. I mean, it doesn't matter. Every human being knows some things. One thing we know, we know we were, we were born for something more than here, and we know that we need to love and be loved. And what's on the screen every time you go to any funeral are pictures of people. And some people over the top, they get pictures of the dog up there, but God help them. <laughs> pictures of people. It's kind of crazy. We show pictures of people at the end of our life while we chase all the things before we got to the end of our life. Now we show the people we love. But to get sometimes to get to, a lot of people, to get to that end, it's too late. What I mean by that is they have already sacrificed everything they have. Sometimes relationships or families or kids. All these, just to get the things that well, no one even cares about. It's people and people that you love. Death makes us think, think about life after death. It forces us to face it. Even though we don't want to, it forces, it interrupts our life. Grabs our head, grabs our heart. You, you got to think about this. You say, why? Because it's a good thing. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2, it is better to spend your time at funerals than festivals, for you're going to die. And it is a good thing to think about while there's still time. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that God has made everything beautiful in its own time, and he has planted eternity in the heart of men. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this before I close. I know I've been saying that, but I really am. Is that every one of us know we were made for something more than here. We know, you know what? There's got to be more than this. The Bible says God's put eternity in their hearts, in our hearts. We know we were made for something. We don't know what it is. We can't even articulate it, but we know we're missing something. This can't be all there is, just stuff and things and clothes and money. That's it. No, there's a lot more. So what happens? What happens? Well, one of the things Kobe used to do, he studied the game, but he would get all the information he possibly can about something he's working on, especially in basketball. He was always asking questions, gathering information, and then he'd take the information and then, make, and then he'd try to put it into practice everything he learned and make an application to it. This guy, he was a very wise kid. He'd be in the locker room and have his headphones on. And John Sally told him one time, I know you ain't listening to nothing. He said, yeah, you're right. No music's on. I'm just seeing if I can hear everybody talk about me. But he'd get all the information and then make an application to it and put it into his life. Let me give you some information. What happens after you die? That's a very deep question. And sometimes people are afraid to tell you and I the truth. It's like people, people today, even in the church, don't talk about heaven. You can talk about heaven, don't talk about hell, don't talk about judgment, don't talk about sin. The Bible says, it's very clear the Bible says after we die the Bible says there's coming a judgment 9 Hebrews 9 27 I already read it it says just as we are all destined man to die one time after this comes the judgment 
So, so what happens, Pastor, when I die? I don't know when I'm going to die. I don't know how I'm going to die. I don't know where I'm going to die. But when I die, what happens? The Bible says you will stand before God in judgment. You die and you're going to stand before God. Either you stand before God guilty or forgiven. Because we have a choice. If you're a Christian, you know this, but let me encourage you. Judgment God declared on us because we're sinners. We know that. But we have a choice. We have an appeal. God says, hold on. You know what? Judgment's not going to fall. There's a way out. What's the way out? The way out was Christ. If a diesel was coming, if you're standing in the middle of the road and a diesel was coming at you, you'd get out of the way if you could. Right? Just natural. So, of course, I'm not going to stand and just be hit and run over. Well, judgment's coming. And you would think, well, if I know judgment's coming, well, wouldn't you accept what God has for you so you don't have to be judged? Well, well, what, it, well what is that? Well, the Bible says that Jesus Christ died upon the cross before you and I as sinners. He took the judgment of your sin and my sin on the cross when he shed his blood. And if you and I would accept Christ into our life, then that judgment is on Christ, not on ourselves. God, Jesus paid the price for us. But you have to be in Christ. Here's the verses. Listen, notice what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm just going to read all of them right down the line. You see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given a new life. Verse 26, 1 Corinthians 15. This ain't make-believe, this is fact. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 26. And the last enemy shall be destroyed, which is death. For our, dying, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies will be transformed to immortal bodies. In verse 54, then when we are dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. That song we sang earlier about Jesus, there is no other God. There is no rival with Jesus. He's it. He's God. His, his tomb is empty. So we don't have to face judgment for our sins when we die because you don't know when you're going to die. You can accept Christ. And you accept Christ and the price he paid for your sins and my sins. He's judged for us. And the Bible does promise a heaven. But let me say something about heaven. We know we die as a Christian because Christ paid the price for our sins. We're going to go to heaven. But let me tell you something. While you're here, let Jesus comes into your life and you can have part of heaven here and now. Jesus comes into your life and you can have part of that heaven right now. You can have peace that you thought you could never have. You can have joy that you thought you could never have. There's so much God offers all of us. Another thing Kobe said, which we have to find a way to touch others, the next generation. We've got to inspire them. We've got to find a way to help them because it's about the next generation. You know, the best way you can help the next generation in your own family is mom and dad get saved. 
You want to help the next generation. You want to help your kids' kids. When mom and dad get saved, give your life to Jesus Christ. That'll help the next generation. That'll lift the curse of sin on people's lives. And of course, if we die, Paul said to be absent from the body is he present with the Lord. We get to go to heaven. Everyone wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die to get there. Would you bow your heads tonight? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We don't know. Like I said, there's two troubling things about death. We know, first of all, we're going to die. That troubles us enough. We don't know when we're going to die. We don't know how we're going to die. We don't know where we're going to die, but we will die. And when that moment comes, and it will come, lives must be in Christ and with that we can have peace you don't have to fear death they say and I didn't know this they say most people are really afraid to die the Bible says we don't have to be in bondage to that fear any longer there's people here tonight you didn't know you had an appointment with death, but you did. There's no getting around it. Job says, God's given you life for a period of time, a period of length, and then it's over. And you're here tonight as a Christian. For some reason, somehow, the Spirit of God took what I was saying and touched your heart tonight. So, you know what, God, there's some things I want to talk to you at the salt. Just raise your hand quickly yes 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 I see these things yes just be honest here's my hand okay I'm not here to keep you late tonight the long we started later sorry about all of that I apologize for that anyone else you're here tonight as a Christian say God you're talking to me there's others here tonight maybe you're not right with God you haven't accepted what Christ offers you tonight you say you know what I don't want to stand in judgment to stand forgiven and that's you tonight so I want to give my life to Christ pastor here's me that's you would you raise your hand tonight I want all of us to stand many hands raised find a place to pray we'll sing what song you'd like to sing okay find a place to pray tonight